I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Texas, and it is a typical September day here. It's a little warm, it's a little muggy, something we haven't seen all year, so sooner or later it had to happen, but as I understand, there's a cold front coming in, and we'll go from about 95 on my day to 85 on Tuesday. Overall, it has been an extremely mild summer for us because that high that always forms over our state comes up from the Gulf, got trapped on the west side of the Rockies and took to California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. They had it pretty rough, but that's what we're used to every year. So we'll take it. We'll share the wealth as they say. Okay. I want to thank everyone that has subscribed to this channel and has donated, but uh, I need a lot more. I need some help, and the only ones that can do that are my listeners. And I mentioned this the last time I was on the show. If you like the content, I need you to help support it. It's really that simple. And what really helps a radio show is when people call in. Whether you agree or disagree with my positions is fine. But you can't have a spirited debate unless you call in. And that number is 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And if you have friends that want to listen to this but can't figure out how to get through the website, they can dial in at 631-359-9353 and listen to this. And the more people that call in is a good thing. That lets me know that this pursuit is worth continuing. Otherwise, I feel at times like I'm just talking to dead air, and that's never a good thing. Yet I look at the statistics that are showing up and I know there are a bunch of listeners and I don't know how far they're going because I don't have the statistics on that. But I think on the last episode, it was over, I think, 200 or so, which that's a pretty good number. And then I went back and looked at some of the YouTube videos I posted and those go anywhere from three to 500 views. Well... If you like it, leave a comment. It's not that hard. If you don't, leave a comment. If there are things you want to know more of or want me to cover more in depth, I'll take that feedback. You know, I was talking to some folks the other night, well, and that was at uh, Dunstan's, about writing. 
and it was a, it was a small group last night at Dunstan's. Jerry, Patty, and myself were there. And Jerry was asking me about my writing techniques and that I really am a critic. And I said, especially when it comes to other books or films or things like that. And I said, well, yeah, I am a critic because I am really hard on myself when it comes to writing. Jerry really liked this Gateway series. It's Gateway P.O., Destination D.C. and Target Berlin. And I said, Jerry, I can go back and reread those books that I wrote and make a lot of changes. It's not that hard because I'll go, well, this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit. Even though as a reader, he had no problem with it and everything flowed. And that goes for his bride, Patty, too. She's read many of the books. Well, that tells me that I'm doing a good job on writing. But I can go back and reread anything I've written and say, okay, this could have been done better. This really didn't have any point in being in the book because it didn't move the story forward. So that's the same thing with a radio show. You have to get some criticism, constructive criticism on what you like and what you don't like. I mean, you know what I'm going to cover for the most part, but that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. It's, you know, it's like, Posts on Facebook or Twitter or blogs or anything, just because somebody puts it up there doesn't mean it's true. And a lot of them you look at and go, what were they smoking when they posted that? Because they really need to change brands. And that really hasn't changed on Facebook lately. And when I read something that's absolutely ridiculous, I've read a mem today about and this is a gal, I guess we went to high school, about how contractors need to, instead of naming roads and bridges after famous people and veterans and heroes, that the contractors should be required to have the roads named after them with their address and their phone number. Well, that is the most asinine statement I've ever heard. Obviously, she doesn't have a clue how roads are built and that when we build them, they're inspected by either the city, the county, the state, or whoever. They're the ones that approve everything we we do. They have testing firms out there that approve all the materials we put down. And anyone who's ever built a road, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the, the whole mem was like, contractors are dumbasses and don't know what they're doing. Well, why don't you just blow that out your goat smelling ass? It, your your mem showed me how ignorant you are. And I'm not going to mention her name, but it really did hit a nerve with me. I've built plenty of roads. I know how we do it. I've worked at airports. I've built runways. I know how this works. But for some dumbass to put that type of shit up and think it's educational just shows me that uh, I don't know what if we went to the same high school, you must have been stuck in remedial reading or retarded math or something because you haven't learned a damn thing. And when you talk through your ass, that's pretty much what you're showing. So for those of you that think we as contractors don't know what we're doing, I suggest you pick up a shovel, go out on a construction site and learn how the hell we do the job. Because we don't do it by ourselves. We don't develop the specs. We don't develop the prints. 
that's all done by the owners. Then we have to follow those specifications and those prints, and it has to be tested, and it has to be approved. There is a lengthy process we go through to build a road. But if you want to keep throwing stupid memps up like that, well, then just keep showing your stupidity because it's getting really thick really fast. <clears throat> All right, I didn't mean to get on that tangent, but it really did piss me off. Dumbasses. But being critical, it's, and I did this on a, Facebook post of how we no longer have critical thinking. We don't. We don't have it in schools. I don't see it in the business world. Why? Why is that? It's like everyone just goes along and comes along. Nobody thinks. Look at all the posts you see. Who's really putting the time to have an intelligent response? without pushing an agenda. We all have agendas, but at times you've got to be able to pull yourself back and look at it analytically and break it down. And as a writer, that's what I can do with my books. I don't care which one it is that I've written. I can go back and put myself in the third person and say, I don't know this person. And I'm going to read this book and see what it's like. And then I will tear it apart. If I like it, okay, this was good. And if I don't, well, I don't know what Jeff was thinking when he wrote this, but he really needs to rethink this. It's not that hard to do. For some people, for me, it is not. For others, it's like, oh, God, I'd be calling myself out. Yeah, you would. You're going to hold yourself accountable for what you've written and how the book was formatted and what your editor did. I mean, as the author, you are responsible for all of it as a self-published author. So you better be ready to be critical of yourself. And I really get into that in the book, Cutting to the Chase, which was formerly titled Do Your Damn Job. And that's what that book is all about being accountable, dealing with people. I mean, the accountability is probably the biggest part. How many people don't want to be accountable for what they do? I can, you go into a room and ask them that and then give them a problem to solve and they screw it up. Say, did you screw that up? Well, how many people are just going to automatically raise their hand? No, they're going to try and come up with some BS about this, that, and the other. Accountability. I really hammer that in my seminars. Because without accountability, you don't have a chain of command. You got a bunch of slugs working for you that are just getting a paycheck and sliding by. And you wonder why your productivity has gone down and why your morale has gone to hell. It's pretty damn simple. You just got to look in the mirror and say, it falls on you. Now do something about it. If you don't want to do something about it, then nothing will change. And if you can't make the hard call, then you shouldn't be a manager in the first place. It really is that simple. Okay. So getting back to 
subscriptions and money. I still have my GoFundMe. Jeff Dawson, motivational speaker and author for hire. I'm going to put that back on my Facebook. I'm going to post it today after the show. I'm going to post it on my blog, LDDJEnterprises.com. Because we need help. That's all I'm going to say is we need help. I'm trying to avoid having to borrow money, but it's just like this show. I'm very thankful they let me go on today because when this is over, I'm going to be into it for about $492. And I have said this for about a month. Times have been difficult. Yes, we're working on getting some speaking engagements together, but in the interim, uh, we all need help now and then. And I've been one of those people through the years that always loaned money to people who needed it. And I didn't ask questions. And I've still got about 20000 out in loans. But we went through COVID. And people got laid off. And they had to rely on their unemployment to get by. So these are the facts. I have a source. I've just been holding off in using them. That's just the way it is. Okay. You know I'm an author. I got plenty of books out. At my Amazon site. They're all there. When you go to my website... Go to the blog. Don't pay attention to the front page. Go to the blog, and then on the left and right columns, all the books are listed there, all the book covers. Click on it. It takes you to the Amazon link, and they are very affordably priced. I'm going to get into that in a minute. And I have also become a... uh, Herbalife distributor. I dabbled with it seven years ago. Uh, yeah, about seven years ago. Dropped, geez, like 25 or 30 pounds in three months. And then I got a real job again and uh, put on about 40 pounds and got back up to 250. Well, I've gotten back on the products, but not all of them. I do a shake. I do a protein bar, and for a little bit, I was taking a product called Prolessa, and that's a fat burn. Now, weight-wise, I'm still around 240, and I was starting to, uh, started this about 253. But as the saying goes, you lose inches, inches than pounds. Well, I know I've lost inches because my shirts don't look like I've got a balloon in my stomach anymore, which is a real plus. I'll never have a flat stomach because I tore the meniscus that holds the abdominal muscles together uh, about 20 years ago, but the size will go down. That's a guarantee. But it's every day, a shake, a bar, I walk two miles, one to two miles, you got to exercise. You know, I see all these commercials. Take a pill. 
it's psychological because you got Noom and Golo and all this. Well, I'm old enough that I've seen plenty of fads through the years that don't last. They make their money and they go away. If you're losing weight from a pill, how healthy is that for you? Because if you're still sitting in your lawn chair or your lazy boy and you're not walking or anything, Oh, okay. Um, There was a message that just came up. How healthy is that? You'll put the weight right back on because you won't have a routine. You've got to have a routine. It's not that hard to do. You know, if you've seen the BlendJet device, which is really cool, I don't own one because I've got a shaker bottle that takes, it takes me about, what, 30 seconds to make my shake. Well, I've watched these blend jet deals, and most of them are females, and it, I just shake my head going, my God, it's got to be taking them five to 10 minutes to make this stuff, and I'll be damned if I'm going to try any of their recipes. They got so much shit in there, it'd kill a dead man. I don't care how healthy it is. I don't want to spend five to 10 minutes making a shake. And then when you really read it, they've got all this prep time that goes into it. So how much time do you want to spend? I want to spend two minutes. I want to pour my almond milk in my shaker and get two scoops of the mix, which I've got cookies and cream, but there's 14 flavors. And if I've got the Prolessa, I'll put that in there. I shake it up. I'm done and I drink it. And to make sure I get all of it, I'll take, I've got my decaf coffee with me and I'll just pour that in and that makes sure that nothing is left inside. So I'm getting all the good stuff. And it works. Yeah, I'm, I need to get down to 205, 200. I will be happy there. I got a long way to go, but I didn't get here overnight. And I'm not going to get back to that weight overnight. Now, there's another product. Now, I can't take these. One's called Total Control. One is their herbal tea. And the other is, it's called Liftoff. See that? And that's four flavors. Lemon, lime, pomegranate, orange, and tropical fruit punch, which is like Kool-Aid. I had a gal taking this back in the day, and she called it legalized crack. Now, one of the gals at Dunstan's, she's been taking it, and she went to the doctor thinking she had gained weight, and they're like, would you get on the scale? How many women want to get on a scale? I don't know many. She was really surprised. She got on there and it dropped two and a half pounds. She was shocked, and she was talking to Patty about, look how smooth my stomach is. Well, as a man, we all admire a beautiful woman. And I did look over there and go, she's right. Her stomach's flat. Now, I can't take it because of the caffeine. So if you all have a problem with caffeine, you can't get on this. I've got a heart issue. I have to take a Tenolol to so it doesn't get knocked out of rhythm. But everyone I know that can take this raves about it. It gives them energy. It makes their thinking clear. They're more concise. And they're, 
it, it gives them a boost of four to five hours with no crash. When it wears off, it wears off. That's it. Don't take it before you go to bed, unless you're like a guy who took three total control pills one night, and I do not recommend this for anyone. And I told him, James, take one every, you know, six hours. He took all three of them. He had a date, and uh, apparently he had a really good date. He'd never had that much energy before. Yeah, I don't suggest that for anybody, but it can increase your performance. But it will help burn the fat. It will make you feel better. I mean, when I started walking, I was doing a mile a day. And remember, I have a bad back. I got a bad knee. I got some other medical conditions that I could say, well, I just don't feel like it today. Well, that's an excuse we can all use. I don't feel like it today. Well, it's just an excuse. I don't feel like it some days, but now I'm up to two and a half miles. In fact, I did three miles last week in 44 minutes. I was very pleased. I just wanted to keep walking because I'm feeling that much better. Whereas when I started this two and a half months ago, that mile, that was tough. I just didn't feel like it. Now, if I can get rid of the nicotine habit, I will be good to go. That's all there is to it. And I have a site for Herbalife. Where's my damn card? That's in my pocket. And that is Jeff Dash Dawson, period, goherbalife.com slash en dash us. And that is also. I'll put that on my uh, blog post on LDDJ Enterprises. Okay. So we need help. And that's all I can say. Now, let's get into a book review. And I wasn't sure what to pull up. So I went into my <clears throat> library and came across the Kane Mutiny. I really liked the movie when I saw it when I was in high school, probably 17 or 18. Good movie. And then I read the book. And this review is on Goodreads. And when I was rereading it this morning, I got to thinking how pertinent it is today. So I'm going to share the whole review. Classic. This is a classic. I remember watching the film in high school and was very impressed with it at the age of 17. At 58, I'm not. After reading the book, I found a free version of the film and compared notes. Granted, it is a great cast, and Humphrey Bogart is the quintessential Captain Quig, but other than that, the story is flat. Put my glasses on. If you ever have retinal surgery, you'll know how much fun this is. The entire group of characters, including Ensign Keith, are a collection of screwballs. 
When I researched Walt and found he served on a DMS, I wondered, my God, is this the type of crew he served with? If so, they should have all been drummed out of the Navy. MASH, movie and television show, have nothing on this group. The only reason I can come up with why this is considered one of the great works is the time it was published. The exaggerated dichotomy in many through the whole story. Oh, and let us not forget the thin love story that's thrown in. Here's a quick rundown. Willie Keith, Princeton man, fair pianist, spoiled brat. Joins up, graduates as an ensign, kisses his girl Mary, Mary goodbye, and heads out to war. He's assigned to the cane. Shows up a pearl, but it's gone. Hangs with a local admiral waiting for its return. <clears throat> boards the cane within a week, hates the current captain, DeVries, meets the XO Merrick and his superior, Kiefer, the ship's novelist. He complains about the current captain because he gets dressed down for not decoding an action dispatch. He also doesn't care for the state of the ship or the crew. The cane should be sold for scrap and the crew sent back to basic. That's right, his feelings got hurt. Enter Captain Quig and the Navy as Willie thinks it should be run. What's the saying? Be careful what you wish for. Oh, yeah. Quig might be all about the book, but he's a, also a cowardly neurotic. Quig makes some serious mistakes conning his ship. Under the disillusionment of Kiefer, Merrick starts a medical log detailing Quig's queer behavior. Fast forward to a typhoon that nearly founders the cane. Merrick relieves the captain of his duties. As you read this saying, you would have to agree with the action. Mutiny on the high seas has consequences. Here's the sad part. Merrick is acquitted. Keith bumbles and Kiefer shows his yellow stain as he so eloquently coined Quig. Why is this sad? Easy. Merrick wanted to be in the Navy as a career man. He winds up on an LCI. Yep, career over. Kiefer goes to become a famous, successful novelist. Bastard. Keith becomes the last captain of the cane, and Quig returns to active duty. Perhaps this is all the buzz. There is no justice, and what is meted out is illusionary. Merrick should have been commended for saving the shipping crew, put on a desk for six months, and returned to active duty. Kiefer should have been drummed out and spent some time in the stockade for inciting the idea of Quig being a nut job. Keith should have been dishonorably discharged for backing the mutiny. But alas, those were the guiltiest. Those who were the guiltiest came out smelling like a rose. I did mention a love story at the beginning, didn't I? Well, you get to see how wonderful it plays out in the last chapter, which should have never been written. I think this is the third or fourth great classic I've read. Have you read one that deserves all the talk and accolades? That was a question, because I've read a bunch of these classics, and so far they've all been crap. Catcher on the Rye. I forgot what the other one was, but... The thing is, in the Cain mutiny, those that were responsible weren't accountable. The man that took the right action to save the ship went down with the ship. 
and ruined his career. Now, I can see why the book was such a classic for the time that it was written. I mean, this is on the heels of World War II. So the public once is reading everything about World War II. But a classic, what I find classic about it is accountability and the lack thereof. Those that caused the most problems got off scot-free. Those that took action were condemned for it. Do you see a parallel to today's political landscape? I do. In fact, let's talk about what happened this week in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Where those girls, those gymnasts have been spilling their guts out for six years on what NASAR did to them and how the Gymnast Association and the, and the body that governs that have treated this. They haven't. And those girls sat there and a, Allie, I believe her name was, man, she was so well-spoken. I'm surprised she really held her tongue. If I would have been her, I would have blasted Durbin and the rest of those gnomes sitting up there in their $5,000 suits going, when do we get justice? And after they recant their stories and then they, they tell it all, when are we going to get justice? I think Feinstein summed it up when she said, if and when. Well, when she said if, that answered the question right there. There will be no justice for these girls. These Those aspiring female gymnasts and some male are going to continue to be abused because Horowitz comes up there after they have had their say and says, well, the case is closed. It's done. They've either retired or they were dismissed. What type of justice is that? Well, it's zero. So these girls were just made a fool of in front of the nation. And someone tell me why Durbin just didn't say, that's enough of this shit. You know, what really pissed me off is once the girls had finished testifying, that each senator got to give their heartfelt speech and blah, 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 just to be on the record. It's like, shut the hell Ah, do something, you dumbasses. Will they? No. And we saw it. There'll be no accountability. No one's going to be held responsible, just like the ERCOT shit that we went through in February. All those people on the board, oh, they resigned. All the people in the Texas legislature that were involved with this, well, they're still there. And those in the utility commission, well, they're still there. I had this debate with a liberal female friend that I dated. And of course, she wants to blame everything on Abbott. What a bunch of crap. Get rid of the political party lines. They were all responsible. The Republicans, the Democrats, the dumbasses. Of course, they all fit that category right now. They were all responsible for it. And who paid for it? The taxpayers did with higher insurance premiums. It was over a billion dollars in that four days in February. 
We pay for it. Is the state of Texas paying for it? Is Abbott paying for it? Not a one of those swinging dicks is paying for it. And none of them are being held accountable. What type of bullshit is that? Tell me. I'd like to know. Republican, Democrat, Independent, when are any of these people going to be held accountable? But they all sat up there and gave grand speeches in front of these girls and all their heartfelt condolences and blah, blah, blah. I thought Kobashar was going to start crying. What an embarrassment. They were all an embarrassment. And then Horowitz says, I'm sorry, we're done. Case is closed. And Durbin said, bullshit. I did a job for the city of Dallas when I first got into this business. And it was always my understanding when a job is closed, it's closed. Hell, I went through this with Micah back in 010. And each time I really stirred the pot with the Dallas case, I had just come in. We were wrapping up this job. I didn't know much about it. I was about to get educated extremely well on it. And the gentleman, the contractor that had built all of the structures on the job said, no, 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 I'm not agreeing to that. And I said, well, Jake, I'm sorry. The job's closed out. He goes, closed out my ass. I worked for the city. I know you can reopen a job and we're going to reopen it because he got beaten out. He was trying to uh, get another $10,000 of work he had performed. The city hadn't paid it. So we reopened the file. Now the head engineer wasn't a happy camper over because they've already filled out their final paperwork. It's off the books, blah, blah, blah. We got that job reopened. He got his $10,000, which means we got an extra thousand because we had 10% on his pricing. So everybody won. And then I had this job uh, saying with Micah on reopening a case and I got, uh, I'm still pissed off. I got screwed so bad on that job. I don't know what the inspector, how he was putting his numbers together. And he sent me this ridiculous spreadsheet that made absolutely zero sense. And I went through it and I thought this was a preliminary final. And I said, go with it. No, that was his final. Now, I don't know if he had it in for me or what, or he just wanted the job to get closed out. We still made money on it, but we got screwed out of $15,000. And I brought it to my boss's attention when I realized Hey, they finaled this out. And I said, bullshit, I didn't agree to that. This caused, you want to talk about a tidal wave coming down the pipe. I was about to fire one up. We got all the inspectors in there. We got the district engineer in there. My boss, his boss are in there. And we're talking about this $15,000. And every one of those sons of bitches with the state knew they screwed us. You could see it on their face. Even the inspector, he was trying to crawl that. Hell, should have sent his ass back to Louisiana and he'd crawl back in his hole. But they realized real quick when I laid out, here are the numbers. Here's what we've done. I've remeasured this job so many times. I can do it in my damn sleep. And they were like, do you know what would happen if we open the job? And I was like, I don't give two shits if y'all get fired. We want our money. 
but even my boss, he knew what was at stake here. He knew what the repercussions were going to be. And these guys with the state were going to be holding their ass in their hand. But you think they were held accountable? You would be correct. They were not. But they knew they'd screwed the pooch and I had them by the balls. It was just how hard are we going to let Jeff squeeze? But when we walked out of there, everyone said, man, we really don't want to do this. Of course, I'm like, I do. I do. I want to do this. I want my money. They're beating us out of money. My boss, Gary, pulled me aside and said, we'll get him on the next one, Jeff. I said, we're not going to have the same as Jeff. We'll get him on the next one. Okay, drop it. Let it go. So I had to let it go. But there's the accountability. There wasn't any. Just like in the Kane mutiny. Those who were guilty got off scot-free. Those that wanted to be accountable got punished for being accountable. Well, I see that in the business world all the time, and that shit's got to change. And that's why you need me to come and talk to your company and your employees and get your ship on the right path. Unless you don't want people to be accountable and you just want to keep going on and making the same damn mistakes over and over and over and over again. And everyone keeps being bitching and moaning, complaining that nothing's getting done. Well, it's not getting done because no one's holding anyone accountable and they're not taking action and heads aren't rolling. It's really that damn simple. All right. I didn't mean to get into a rant, but it fits in so perfectly. Now, let's talk about something good. Just for a moment, we'll take a break. I had a book signing at Dunstan's last, a week ago last Wednesday at Lover's Lane. I will have one this coming Friday at the Dunstan's at Harry Hines and Regal Row. I talked to the manager, John, last night, and he said, absolutely, come see us. We'd love to have so I'm looking forward to that. And that's going to be from six to nine. But it was nice uh, to visit the second location on Lovers. And I want to thank Stephanie. I'm probably not pronouncing her last name right. Ferrario, because it's French. And allowing me to come there. And I met some really nice people. And I sold quite a few books. You can never sell enough. Now I'm just waiting to get feedback from them. And this goes back to the show and comments. When you read one of my books, the only way I know if you liked it is if you do a couple of things. Tell people to buy it. I will see that reflected in the sales. Or review it. Leave a review. A two-sentence review is perfect. And you don't have to be an author to write a review. I talked about this two weeks ago. It's really not that hard. Hey, I thought this was a great series. I like the characters. The pace was good. The action was great. Four stars. Or I don't know what Dawson's thinking. This is really some of the worst crap I've ever seen. One star. I Believe me, I've had... 
those star ratings through the years. It doesn't bother me. In fact, this one guy went after occupation with pitchforks and knives and just tore me a new one. That didn't bother me by where I've read other authors to get their feelings hurt. He didn't like my story. Well, maybe it sucked. How about that? Maybe you're not a good writer or do you just, Maybe you're one of those that you just want all the people to come up and pat you on the head or pat you on the back and say <clears throat> how great you are when in reality, it's horrible. I want the critical analysis. I want the person that says, not bad, could have been better, but the author shows promise. I got one of those reviews on Irving Titans, my satire of the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. And he gave it a three-star. He liked some of it. He didn't like a lot of it. That was okay. I need that diversity to see what works and what doesn't. Non-occupation, this guy was right. I mean, he ripped me up one side and down the other. But then I'd read two other reviews that eluded to what this guy wrote. And I said, there's something there. There has to be something there. Even though my editor had said there was nothing wrong with it, which I have fired my last editor. This was a different one, but I fired them because they weren't doing their job. So as I said earlier, I put myself in the third person. I didn't write this. I'm going to sit down with fresh eyes. I'm going to start at page one. I don't know the characters. I don't know the plot line. I don't know jack shit. I'm just going to read the book for entertainment purposes. And when I was into page two, it's like, where's the enema? This book needs an enema. And it got one. It went from 106,000 words to, or 105 to 92. That's how much crap was in that story that needed to be flushed out. Why didn't my editor catch that? Well, I learned a lot of things. I'd still paid that editor, but I learned a lot of different things on what to look for when I write and then how I need to review what I wrote. And if you're one of those that can't do that, don't write. You'll just be a, you'll get your feelings hurt. Well, to be a writer, you got a thick skin. And my years of construction have given me a thick skin. I don't take things personal. I just call them a dumbass and move on. Not really because they get me kicked out of meetings, but that's irrelevant. But I held myself accountable. My editor didn't. I fell back on the reviewers. The reviewers are holding me accountable for what I write. That's what I want. That's the feedback that I want. If you don't like it, tell me. Just like the show. You don't like the content? Tell me. Changes can be made. It's the only way we get better. We don't get better with accolades when we've written some crap. Hell, my book, Tear at the Sterling, it went through a bunch of readers, and it still amazed me when I sat down one day and read it. It's like, what the hell is this? 
how did people miss these mistakes that I'm saying? Well, it needs to be changed. It needs to be changed. I'm making it better. It's getting better. It's what I want. I want it to get better. I want it to be perfect. I have to strive for a goal, and that's the goal. Speaking of goals and accountability, you know, I always do this stupid statements. The owners of the Rangers have got to be the epitome of dumbasses. Dave Raymond and CJ Nitwit Nikowski are an embarrassment. That's all there is to it. And why would I say that? You know, I've been ragging on them all year with just cause. They got to talking about 9-11, and they shouldn't have talked. It was just like, I think it was two years ago when, uh, oh, hell, what's his name? Tom Grieve, the Rangers were playing either the Giants, and Grieve starts talking about global warming. It's like, shut up, Tom. You don't know what you're talking about. And he didn't. Well, these two brain surgeons started talking about 9-11, and Raymond goes, I didn't even know what it was about. I didn't know why people were mad. My wife had to give me a geopolitical education on why they attacked us. But it's not the first time they said something stupid like that. When they were up in Seattle, was it uh, Memorial Day weekend or July 4th? And you could hear the Marine battle hymn being played. This gentleman is standing in the outfield saluting. They're like, well, what's that all about? And this guy went to Stanford. Well, there's your quality education paying off. They're a shining example of how bad higher education is. And then the president, John Daniels, is pushing this crap on our youth of America. What type of bullshit is that? If you guys don't have anything intelligent to say, then do us all a favor and shut the hell up. It's not like radio where you can't have dead air. We can watch the game. We don't have to listen to what you say. And damn, if I could come up with an electrical engineer and figure out how to get that signal of the announcers knocked out and I can just listen to the game and the crowd noise, I'd be one happy camper. And since I said that on this show, that is copyrighted. You put that in the bank. So you got an electrical engineer out there that's interested in this. We can clean up, but it is my idea. But for these idiots to say what they say, they do good just to call the game. And that's all I want them to do. Just call the damn game. It's not that hard. Stay out of politics. Stay out of global issues. 
because the more you talk, the dumber you sound. It really is that simple. But who's going to hold them accountable? I'll tell you who isn't. It's not going to be John Daniels. And apparently it's not the owners of the Rangers. It's almost enough to make you want to throw up and just shoot yourself. Like Archie Bunker listening to Edith talking. How many times did he try and kill herself because she's getting onto a story? He's like, oh, God, no, Edith. No, 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 no. I can relate to that. Okay, the phone numbers, if you want to call in, are 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And I'll talk to anybody. Now, let's talk about the Texas Rangers. Must we? It's so painful. Right now, my good friend West Ford and I are just bannering against each other. He's a big Yankees fan. The Yankees are in the hunt, right? Yes. The Rangers are in the hunt for the worst record in baseball, which they won't obtain this year, thankfully. We've got the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, and the Pirates to thank for that. So we have the fourth worst record, and we are playing first-place teams. Houston took three out of four. Those three out of four were ass-kickings. The one last night was an ass-kicking, and it's probably going to happen tonight. It's probably going to happen tomorrow. But if the Rangers can actually pull together, get it together, go to New York on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and win three games and then lose the rest of them and knock the Yankees out of the playoff picture, it would be wonderful. Why? Because then I can push Wes's buttons. And, of course, he's going to say, well, at least we're in the hunt. It's like, well, it really doesn't matter. Both of our teams are going to be sit, sitting at the house watching the series. We'll see. I mean, the Blue Jays made a big big push but they lost yesterday and i mean that is very fluid the red sox the yankees and the blue jays are really fighting it out and there's 15 depending on the team there's 15 to 14 games to go this is the crunch time this is what we've been waiting for you got the same thing with the brewers the phillies and the mets i mean the braves the phillies and the mets no one is in charge of that division yet. And they probably won't be until the last game of the season. And then the Cardinals, I have another friend, Tracy, up in Chicago, big Cardinals fan. He's got a got a uh, Cardinal tattoo on his left arm. And there for the last couple of months, it's like your Cardinals are done. They've been baked. They've been shot out of the sky. And they've gotten on a run. They have a wild card spot right now. Doesn't mean they'll do anything in the playoffs, but they're there. But they're going to have to beat the Dodgers or the Giants. And right now, I don't see anyone taking either one of those two down because they are locked in. They know what they're fighting for. And it's tough. The Brewers, they've got theirs locked up. In the American League, 
The Rays have theirs. The White Sox definitely have theirs. And it looks like the Astros are going to secure theirs. But then you throw the A's and the Mariners in there, along with the Jays, the Yanks, and the Sox. You got five teams fighting for wild card spots. This is exciting. This is what we live for. Very exciting. It always is. But the Rangers, I talked about this two weeks ago and their potential pitchers for next year. I really don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Fulton Uich, I think he's on COVID uh, quarantine or something. Allard, no, I don't see him as a starter. Lyles, don't know if he'll be back. Hearn, he got lit up like a Christmas tree last night. Otto had a great first outing. His last two have been miserable. Alexi, I don't know what the hell they're doing with Alexi. They bring him as a starter, then they bring him in as a reliever. <clears throat> like, what the hell do you want the man to do? Which is it? And it's, you know, I don't know. Leclerc might be back next year. He's supposed to be our closer. We'll see how that works out. They're trying Barlow. They've tried Kennedy. Kennedy didn't look bad. I think he got hurt. Ari Hara, he's back from the injured list. He's trying to find his way. And he's really having a hard time finding his way because he's just getting shelled. I don't know if we've got a starting pitcher. Wiles is our best one, but the word on the street is he won't be back. Okay. Punt. But what a miserable season it has been. Miserable, embarrassing, disgusting. There aren't enough bad adjectives to describe the Rangers' pitiful performance this year. And I put that on Woodward. And the reason I do is in the last few weeks, with college football firing back up, people keep asking, what makes Nick Saban so good? Well, it really doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure it out. Nick Saban is a great manager. He identifies the qualities and traits in his players, and he knows where they will succeed. It doesn't matter if they've never played the position before. He will put his players in a position to succeed, excel, and help the team win. That's his brilliance. And as a manager, that's what we are supposed to do, is put people in the position to succeed, not fail, succeed, excel. Don't put them in a position they will fail at. I worked for a company that did that. They put me in a position I told them not to do. They did it anyway, and what happened? I failed. It was that simple. I told them, do not put me on a commercial job site. I've never worked on them. <clears throat> yeah, I understand the basics of it, but the intricacies I do not. They put me in charge of three schools. 
with one crew. Well, what do you think happened? I pissed off the general contractor the first day I met him. When I said, we're only going to work one school at a time, and they had three. Oh, he was livid. Then I got chewed out. And it's like, well, what information did you give me to succeed? They didn't give me any. They just said, go down there, watch those jobs, and this is the foreman, this is the superintendent in charge, and he'll handle everything. That superintendent looked at me and said, what are you doing here? And I told him, he goes, I don't need you here. I need crews. And it's like, okay. Yeah, we got off to a brilliant start. Brilliant. I think I worked there six weeks, maybe eight. It was pretty pathetic. Brookshire Paving, I believe the name was. They have since gone under. What a shame. But Saban knows how to put the right people in the right position. And, you know, if you listen to folks talk, well, how can they have all of these guys behind them? Why is his second team as good as his first team? Yes, he recruits well, but he also tells those recruits, you will succeed. I will see to it. You have my word on that. So you played wide receiver in high school. You're going to be a defensive back for me. You're going to be a safety for me. Well, I was a running back, and I gained this many yards. Yeah, but that's not what you excel at. You are going to be an outside linebacker for me because I've seen your skill set. I know what you're good at. Yes, you, you were a good running back, but do you want to be a great outside linebacker? I want to be a great outside linebacker. Then listen to what I do, son. Listen to what I tell you, and you will succeed and excel. That is Nick Saban's brilliance. Mike Gundy doesn't have that. I know my OSU fans won't like that, but that's just a given. No, he can't recruit as good as Alabama. But Sanders, what's this, his second or third year as a quarterback? OSU has won two games so far. Oh, wow, Missouri State and uh, Tulsa. And they went from being ranked 23rd to falling out, which I really don't – if you're not in the top 20, nobody gives a damn. That's This top 25 is just the PC crowd, so everyone gets a participation trophy. That's all it is. What a bunch of crap. And they're going to play, I think, Boise State today. Oh, there will be a real test. They might win and they might lose. But when they get into the big 12 minus two and they have to play Baylor, yeah, we got OU this year and Texas. I think those are three losses right there. So we'll have a winning season. We'll go to a ball game. But uh, so the university is going to get a big chunk of money from the bowl proceeds, but it's still going to be a second level team, not a contender in the big 12. And now that OU and Texas are on the way out, good luck in the SEC to both teams. OU, you get stuck in that division with Alabama. You'll never see a national championship ever again. Not as long as Saban is there. What are we getting? Houston, 
Cincinnati, Brigham Young, and I forgot the fourth team, but I'm Iowa, I think. And I'm looking at this going, what a pathetic division. Football. Just in football, it's pathetic. This is not going to be a powerhouse division. This is going to be a let's beat each other up division and see what happens, and none of us will contend for the national championship. That gives me a lot of faith. But I don't know what else they could do. Who wants to pick up Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Baylor, UT, OU? Well, we found out who's picking up UT and OU. Who wants to pick up the rest of them? And yes, you can make the argument, but the other schools excel in other sports, Kansas and basketball, Iowa State, Iowa, Oklahoma State, and wrestling, and golf, track and field, baseball. Yes, those are all valid points. But where does all the money come in for the college from the NCAA? <clears throat> it's sure the hell in the tiddlywink championship, is it? You don't see the coffers being filled if OSU goes to Omaha for the College World Series, do you? No. It's football. You get sixty to 110,000 fans in the stadium. Networks are going to pay to televise that game. It doesn't matter if Michigan and Ohio, and Ohio State suck. They're getting big money to suck on national TV. That's why it matters. If you don't have a huge endowment like Stanford and Harvard and Yale, and I I did that list months ago, the top 10 and what it comes out to. And then if like OU is twice, their endowment is twice of what OSU's is. uh, Where do you think the bulk of that money's coming from? Donors and alumni? Oh. Football. That is the cash crop. It really is that simple. So, yeah, so much for that. Okay. Where are we with COVID? If you watch my blog or Facebook, you see I put the stats up. Every Sunday, I do the numbers. I just do the numbers. I don't come up with a lot of unwanted, BS, opinionated crap. I will put on there, here's where we're at, and then mold that to fit the thinking of our so-called press corps today, which we don't have a press corps. We have an opinion opinion court. And I'm not making a big deal about it. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm not waving a banner. I'm not stamping it on Facebook. Look at me. Look at me. I got the shot. 
I got my first one on September 9th. I get the second one on, what is it? October 14th. My reasons for getting the shot are my reasons. If you haven't gotten it, it's your call. And we talked about this two weeks ago. How our parents and grandparents fought the polio vaccine tooth and nail. But when the school said, well, we're going to give these. If you want your child in school, you need to be vaccinated. And people took the shots because they wanted their kids in school. I'm not going to beat anybody over the head with a big stick over it. It's your choice. And remember in the 90s, it started changing. You had the anti-vaxxers. And even the chiropractor I went to for a while was talking about all the evils of the vaccine (laughs) and how your immune system, if it's operating properly with the proper adjustment, will fight it off and that the vaccine is full of mercury and this and that and everything else. And it's like, I'm still alive. Well, then they tied it into the increase in autism was from vaccines. Those people weren't chastised. Their kids weren't getting the shots. And some of them actually came down with these terrible diseases that they'd spent decades and centuries fighting and finally figured out how to combat them. But you got a bunch of people that said, it's not for me, it's not for me. And they were allowed to have their kids in school. They had a medical waiver. And life went on. And here we are in the biggest quagmire, media-driven. In fact, Bill Maurer, who I am not a real fan of, and most of you know that, he's just a liberal hack who makes stupid jokes that the only reason his audience laughs is they've got to have half of the people in the audience have to be prompters that say, you need to laugh here, you need to clap. They must have these huge signs that we can't see. I'd like going to the studio just to see how they operate that show because when he had to do this without an audience, his jokes fell flat. But he made a statement, I saw the clip, that the liberal media needs to take some responsibility for the COVID hype. Just some, not all, just some. Oh, he almost told them to be held accountable. Well, Bill, when are you going to hold yourself accountable for all the statements you have made about Trump supporters? And I've seen your shows where you said, well, we just have to hate Trump, but not his supporters. Well, it's kind of one and the same. And the more you bash Trump, the more you bash the supporters. What an interesting dichotomy. And, of course, he had that twit, Katie Couric. I just think they've all been brainwashed. I think they need to be re-educated. I think you need a brain. That's what I think. Maybe if we put a pet rock in your brain, you might have a thought, Katie. I don't give a damn how much money you make, you twit. Accountability. This is what it all comes down to. 
that's actually a really good theme for this episode. I didn't plan that. Pretty damn good. But I got the shot, okay? That was my choice. <clears throat> and I will say why I did Because when I go to companies and give seminars, what if they have the policy that you need to be vaccinated before you come in the door? Okay. Well, that makes sense. It's your company. You can set your policy. I would have to agree to your policy. Or am I going to stand out there and jump up and down and hoot and holler and act like a moronic idiot and say, that's not fair. That's not fair. Hey, it's their company. They can do what the hell they want to. So I won't have to deal with that. If they want to see the card here, got the shot. Move on. But I'm not going to condemn anyone for not getting it. It's your choice. It's not mine. It's not the government's. And speaking of the government, for four years we heard what a tyrant Trump was. He's a dictator. He's this. He's that. (laughs) And now Biden is putting mandates and penalties on companies. That If that executive order doesn't get turned over in the courts, I will be shocked. A hundred employees or more, you have to have a shot. And if you don't, then this is all the testing you're going to have to do that the employer is going to have to pay for. And if you don't abide by it, the fine is $14,000 per employee. What the hell is that? That's not government overreach. If that isn't, I don't know what is to you. You tell me. All this crap about Trump and dictatorial powers and Joe gets passed. Well, what is this? Uh, You are exceeding your power. And then he refuses to abide by the Supreme Court decision? What type of president doesn't adhere to the law of the land? Isn't that called a dictatorship? I don't have to do what they tell me. I can do what I want to. And that was the problem with the Republicans, the spineless sons of bitches, back when they sent Obamacare to the Supreme Court. They didn't go after that it was unconstitutional. They went after that the fine of $600 was unconstitutional. And DACA, you know, Trump tried to get DACA overturned, and the court said, well, we don't, you don't have enough standing here. You need to refile. Congress is the only one that can do immigration policy, period. Obama did it through an executive order. How does that work? Our country is upside down. Our courts are screwed. They're corrupt. And I've mentioned this before. How the hell can the law be 
liberal or conservative. Obviously, by the people who write them. But when you come down to it, where, where do we start putting the common sense clause in there that this is a bad law? And I don't care what party you're with. This is a bad law. You think any of those sons of bitches up there are going to say that? The answer is no. Especially if their party is the one that passed it. Okay? Yeah. Ridiculous. Okay. So I got the shot. I got the first one, I got the second one, and there will be peace in the valley, and you do as you choose. Don't give a damn what Joe Biden says. Because wasn't it Joe and Kamala that said as long as Trump is around, they won't get the vaccine, but they got it anyway? What hypocrisy. Pathetic ridiculous hypocrisy and this liberal friend of mine said she wouldn't have got it if Trump was in office. And it's like, so you think that Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson changed the whole formula when Biden was inaugurated? Are you shifting me? The answer is no. They were in their trials. People already got the shot in December. I'm not doing it. If Trump's in office, I'll blow it out your ass, please. It's political insanity. And, you know, most of you that listen, I call out both sides when their head's up their ass. And right now, they're all there. I mean, who is working for whom right now? I don't know. And Greg Abbott's a perfect example. I've already called him out over this ERCOT crap. And now there's 10,000 people at the Del Rio Bridge wanting to come in. Well, Greg, why don't you go back to the Texas Constitution where it says you can protect the state from foreign invaders. You have the authority to do it. <clears throat> you launched this Operation Lone Star, which has been a complete farce. You aren't turning people away at the border. They're still coming across. Your job is to secure the border of the state of Texas if the federal government won't do it. So then get off Get out of your wheelchair and do something. Okay? Can you do that? FDR seemed to be able to handle the run in the country during World War II, during the Depression and World War II from a wheelchair. When are you going to run the state of Texas? I'm tired of speeches. I want action. That's all I want. I want accountability. That's what I want. And I don't see it from anybody, with the exception of Kennedy from Louisiana. 
he's such a great man. He is like Mark Twain. He can spin a yarn and tear you a new asshole, and you don't even know it's happening. Because he speaks so plainly. It's he's brilliant and he knows how to destroy a person and they don't even know what happened. I love listening to him talk his old Southern drawl and backwoods common sense. Yeah. He's a prosecutor. He's highly educated, but he doesn't throw it in your face. And when he does, you don't even know you just got called a dumbass. You got to think about it. And then you get pissed off and you go, do you know what he just called me? Yeah, I do. I heard every word of it. I guess that education and all those master's degrees you got from Princeton and Columbia and Yale and Harvard didn't teach a lick common sense. That man's got more common sense than the other 534 boneheads trying to run our country at 330 million. He's got more common sense in his pinky finger than those people ever thought. Oh, they got degrees on the wall. All it is is potential toilet paper. If we have another lockdown and shortage, that's what their degrees are going to be good for. I don't know how that sheepskin's going to feel. Maybe it'd be like John Wayne toilet paper. It's hard to say. <coughs> Damn. No accountability. Okay. I'm going to take a break for a minute. And two weeks ago, I talked about what I was going to do on 9-11. That I was going to visit the Veterans Memorial in Dallas over at uh, Mountain Creek Parkway off of Loop 12. I did that. I called my niece's husband. I called my son-in-law and I thank them for their service. I still have one thing left to do and that's drop off four copies of women of war to the VFWs in Carrollton and Irvin. I haven't gotten around to that, but another thing was that wasn't on the list was to write something. And that was the whole reason that I went to the veteran cemetery was to be inspired. I wanted to see if anything came. That's not the greatest thing I've ever written. I really like the poem I wrote for Memorial Day, like eight years ago, and I put it in the book, Life Spectrum. That's another poetry book. But this is what I came up with after I reflected and I looked at all the gravestones and the flags. I was kind of disappointed and maybe they had them up on 9-11 but that Sunday that I went it was just a it was a scattering of flags but that was okay that wasn't what I was there for I was there to honor those who have served our country and I have a copy of this up on the blog LDDJEnterprises.com because this one has pictures. Obviously, you can't see the pictures in what I wrote, but here it is. A day of reflection is how I 
FDU 911, not just for the civilians that died that fateful day, but for the men and women who signed up and set out to avenge those who believed the United States would do nothing to fight back and defend ourselves. We saw that spirit on December 8, 1941, after Pearl Harbor was attacked. Tens of thousands flocked to the recruiting stations to sign up and fight the enemy of the day. Then, like now, our enemies believed the United States to be weak and immoral. They were wrong then, and they were wrong 20 years ago. Why? They grossly underestimate the valor, honor, integrity of our youth. They are the ones that answer the call. They are the ones that will go toe-to-toe with any foe, foreign, or domestic. They are the ones who are the guardians of our nation. They do not focus on the politics of the day or the weak need who constantly yammer for peace when it isn't an option. They enlist and prepare to defend our great country. They come from all walks of life and ethnicities. Being killed or wounded isn't foremost in their minds. Correcting a wrong and meting out justice is what they think about and they do. They put aside petty differences and ideologies. The only thing that matters is the comrade to their left or right, for their lives depend on that. They serve proudly, despite the ineptness of politicians and some of their leaders. They hold their heads high and back stiff when the stars and stripes is raised. They are the first to stand and remove covers when the star-spangled banner is played. Why? Because they know the price they paid to protect the freedoms and liberties we all take for granted. They cried laughed and bled with their fellow soldiers. They shared family photos and stories of their youth and adventures. They become one, and because of that, are the most feared fighting force on the planet, something our enemies continually fail to recognize. As we remember the innocent lives lost 20 years ago, let us not forget those that answered the call and kept our country safe and secure for the last 20 years. A warning to those who believe we are weak and won't defend ourselves, if and when attacked, you would be wise to study our history and how we, as a nation, react when provoked. It has never worked out in the favor of the aggressor. However, if you feel compelled to test our strength and resolve, be prepared to pay the ultimate price. For we do not forgive and we do not forget those who try to trample on our rights and freedoms. For each headstone you see, remember this, four to ten of your insurgent brothers will fall and will not stop until you are completely eradicated or reminded not to awaken a sleeping giant. For our youth will answer the call and with great precision take you out one by one until the mission is complete. And when the dust is settled and the fight finished, We will proudly bury and honor those who sacrificed everything to keep us safe. So ask yourself this question. Are you willing to pay the price? We will. Question is, how much blood are you willing to spill? And even with the ineptness of the current administration and the politicized generals that are in, that are being exposed, this this is the 
this is horrendous. Trump had the right idea, but he wasn't able to implement everything. He was overwhelmed with the swamp and the corruption and the political backstabbing and the politics that even infect our military. It was a monumental job he took on, and he did what he could. But there is so much you can only do in four years without actually declaring military martial law, not martial law, but military martial law, and start holding everyone accountable for their inactions. We've seen their actions, their inactions are eroding the country. Our military leadership is a shell. And when you look at those guys and look at how they became four-star generals, because five-star is general of the army, and we don't have one right now, it was all politics or papers or courses or degrees. That's how they rose through the ranks. The majority of them, it wasn't through blood. It wasn't through leading men into combat or on the high seas. Political favors, back scratching, and look where it's gotten us. One hell of a mess. And for that dumbass Blinken to blame the pullout on Trump and the media to half-ass agree with it, that's just as ludicrous as it gets. When we're going back to the Obama years, where for four years, everything was blamed on Bush Jr. Remember that? And hell, even the last year, Obama was blaming his ills and wills on Trump, who was running for president in 16. So Trump's not in office, but Obama's blaming him for his problems. What type of bullshit is that? Where's the accountability where there isn't any? Bill Clinton, why couldn't you admit to getting a blowjob from Monica? It wasn't that hard. Well, apparently to her it was. Uh, All you had to say, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. No, we have to go through an impeachment process. And all Bill had to say was, I did it. Hillary, Hillary. I'm sorry, Hillary. I I didn't, I I didn't mean to have sexual relations with her, but you know, she's just so damn pretty. I had to, I I had to see what, you know, is she really that good? No, he has to drag the country through this bullshit impeachment. Accountability. When we don't get it from our presidents, who the hell do we get it from? Who the hell are we supposed to look up to to say that is a stand-up person? That's someone I want to emulate. That's someone I want to be like. They have ethics. They have standing. And by God, I hope they got morals. And if they've got some shady morals, I hope they will come out and be man enough or woman enough to say, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake.
but then that would be holding yourself accountable. Do you really want to do that? If you have any character, you will. We sure the hell didn't see it in the book Cain Mutiny. Did we? No. Those that were responsible for the mutiny just crawled at it away, went on with their lives. The man that took action because the ship would have sunk in the typhoon is chastised. You show me the justice in that. Yes, it's a fictional book, but it's true. And it's just as true today as when Herman wrote that back in the 50s. Accountability. What do you do if you don't have that? I don't know. A situation that we have right now. An administration that doesn't want to be held accountable for a damn thing. And there's no crisis at the border. Kamala's the czar of immigration. And what has she done? Nothing. Oh, she visited once. Has anything changed? No. Now, Fox News, they're just hammering this Every day, every day. But who's listening other than those that watch Fox? Who's listening? You think those dumbasses in Washington give two shits what you're reporting each night? They don't care. Because in their world, there's no problem. So what do you do? I don't know. And I've pondered this with my associates. And there really is only one way. Okay, let's say DeSantos runs in 2024. And I've mentioned this before. Well, Trump needs to get behind DeSantis. Trump, I finally got someone to say last night they didn't want Trump to run. And before, that person had said, I want him to run. Well, now he sees the folly in that. I do not want Donald Trump running in 2024 because then it's going to be another one and done and that's not going to work. But so DeSantos, let's say Ron DeSantos wins the presidential election. Well, we're still waiting for Cyber Ninja, who was supposed to release a report in August on their investigation into the Maricopa County election results. 
They said it'd be out in August. Here it is, mid-September. We still haven't seen it. I just want to make sure real quick that I'm not speaking out of my ass. Releases port on Maricopa County. Oh, here is a new article. <clears throat> September 1st. of 2021. Oh, it looks like it's being challenged. September 24th. Okay. <clears throat> well, I would rather it be correct and that they have all their ducks in a row because you know the MSM is going to come after them with pitchforks and knives because they've already been chastising the report and they haven't seen anything. So let's start building up and frothing at the mouth so you get your base all excited. So when it does come out, you've already influenced them and made up their mind that it's all a bunch of crap. That's what the media is good at doing right now. We don't need the facts. We're going to rip you a new one just because we can. That's what their master's at. And they seem to be doing, sadly, a very good job. Just look at your posts on your social media accounts. It's already been predetermined. We don't agree with it. Whether you've seen the facts or not, we don't agree with it. I haven't seen the facts. It was just like the Mueller report when people ask me, well, what's in it? Well, what's in it? You know, and, and I'm holding the book going, I haven't read it. Well, what do you think? Well, I haven't read it. Well, what do you think? Well, why don't you shut the hell up and let me read it, and then I'll tell you what I think. I don't know how many people would hammer me on that. I said, John, why don't you just shut the hell up? When I'm done reading it, then I will tell you what I think, and I will go through it. Line by line, I have no predeterminations on what's in the report. But everybody wants that knee-jerk PDA response right then and there. I don't want to read it. I want to know what you think. Okay, well then just let me play the local dumbass jester and tell you what I think without having all the facts. Doesn't that sound like an intelligent response? I think not. It's like walking into a meeting unprepared. We've got a topic we're going to talk about. I just don't know what it is, but I guarantee you we're going to be here for two hours talking about nothing and get nothing accomplished. Well, that sounds like an excellent use of time. How many of you have been in those type of meetings? You walk out and go, what the hell was that all about? I don't know. We were there for two hours. What did we accomplish? I don't know. So why were we there? Well, we got paid. Well, I don't give a damn if we got paid. 
weren't we supposed to learn something? Weren't we supposed to cover some of the problems we're having on the plant lines or on the job sites or in the office? Well, yeah, I thought that's what it was about. Well, then what was it about? I don't know. But I heard we're going to have a meeting next week to discuss this meeting we had today to tell us exactly what we were supposed to be told and have learned, but they forgot to cover it, so we have to cover it next week. That's a valuable waste of time, isn't it? How many have been in those meetings? Or you walk out going, what the hell was that? When I held meetings, people knew what they were about. There was no gray area. There was no BS. And there was no time limit. And I just laugh when I see people set up these block times for meetings. I didn't set it up because I didn't know how long it would take. If I can conduct a meeting and get everyone on the same page in 10 minutes, it's a 10-minute meeting. If it takes an hour to cover the topic and the problem at hand, then it takes an hour. If it takes an hour and a half to resolve the problem, then it takes an hour and a half. But when you put a time limit on a meeting and say, well, Put aside an hour. No, come see me. We're getting this over with. We're going to discuss that if we're here all day. It's like if any of you have been in mediation, which I've been in two of those, and they say they'll start it off with saying, well, it's going to be half a day. So each one of you owes us $750. So you each person gives the 750 and then the attorney comes back in after the lunch break and says, well, I think we need another four hours and I need another $750. And I'm going, what the hell for? We are not going to get this resolved. So just write your report, tell the judge we're going to court. No, we had to sit there for another five hours of useless mediation and the only one that made money and got a resolution was the mediator. He walked out of there with $3,000. I walked out of there without my shirt. As you can well tell, I was not a happy camper and I've been through mediation twice. I am not a fan of it because when it's all said and done, it's a waste. Now. I will mention this, and I can't get into any details, but I really saw some merit yesterday. I was part of the focus group. And what I liked about it, it was about an upcoming court case. That's about as much information as I can give because I signed a confidentiality agreement. And I really wanted to ask a question but this wasn't the platform to ask questions. This was the platform to listen. And I listened to what the presenter had and damn, if I forgot my train of thought on that, but, oh, I wanted to ask the question, is this 
like a pre-trial mediation. There were 24 of us in the room. Because that's what I was saying. They want to, they're going to present the case and then we're going to make an analysis of it. So then they're going to determine whether they go to trial or I don't see how there would be any mediation in this case, but it was really interesting. Now, I wasn't allowed to stay for the whole thing because they asked some questions and, and it was really cool. I liked how this guy asked the questions. I was trying to figure out where is this going? And he would put questions out there that were related to the case, but we didn't know that. This is what was cool. We didn't know it. Because then he would throw in just an off-the-cuff question and basically throwing us off the scent of where this was going. But they asked one question, and I was the only one that raised my hand. And... 10 minutes later or so, he just looked at me and said, would you please go into the hall? And I was like, what the hell did I do? Have I done something wrong? <clears throat> would you please go into the hall? Okay. It's like, my God, I'm going to the principal's office again. I felt like I was in sixth grade, which sadly, I got to know the principal quite well because I spent a lot of time in his office and they said we think you know that you're too close to the topic at hand and I said okay so I had to go back it's like what question did I answer for them and it dawned on me oh oh so then I thought about all the questions they had asked and how he he really put a brilliant timeline together. It was so logical, but when he would throw in a off-the-cuff question, it just threw you off track on, where's this going? And I thought about it, and it's like, okay, I see exactly where they're going. And yes, since I didn't have personal knowledge of the issue, I knew someone that might. So... Hey, I was paid for the full day. They were thank they were, you know they thanked me for showing up and were appreciative of it. But it's like this is really a cool focus group, and I I wished I could have stayed, but I couldn't, and I understood their concerns on me. But I wish I could have stayed to the end of the day just to hear how the whole thing played out and how they were going to use the information. Now, that would have been cool. But the one thing I was worried about was I do have back issues. And yesterday, my back was not a happy camper. And they said, if you can't stay for the whole day, you don't get paid. And I was also having... When I get an adjustment, they, they really have to work around the hardware in my back. They know 
where the pain is resonating from, but they can't just attack it like they could before 2010 in my back surgery. They, she's got to work around it and massage those muscles and get those nerve endings to lighten up so I don't kink up and get pulled to the right like the wind's blowing me over. And it takes usually two days after an adjustment for that pain to go away and me to catch up on rest and sleep. Because sitting in that chair for two hours, it was killing me. I could feel it. It's like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the day because this is going to last until 4.30 or 4 o'clock. And that's a long time for me to sit in a hardback chair. But they said, we do appreciate it. We will tell the people you showed up. You did everything you were asked to do. You get paid for the whole day. It's like, cool. So that was kind of fun. But it's like, this is how, in a sense, I'd like to see mediation carried out. Because I could see a resolution there where everyone gives the facts and you go with a general consensus and like, so what do you think? But the ones I was involved in were just, they come in, well, this is what they offer. And then they go back and they tell them, and it's it was just, it was long, it was drawn out. Well, they don't want us in the same room in case something goes south and tempers flare and all that. Fine. Get a security guard there. I don't care. But this, these things are designed for the lawyers, not for the uh, plaintiffs and defendants. It's designed for the lawyers. I mean, they can take 15 minutes to walk from room to room and you'd never know it. And there's no real negotiation. Because you can't talk to that person and say, okay, what do we want to do? We could have been done in three hours. No, we had to be there nine. And resolve nothing. Like I said, I didn't go through this once. I went through it twice. And nothing was resolved other than the attorney walked out of there with a down payment for a new Cadillac or Tesla. So you tell me who benefits from that crap. It ain't us. Just like MLB arbitration. You ever seen an MLB player not win his arbitration suit? Why is that? It's rigged. We offered him $15 million. Well, that's not enough. Well, that's all we're offering. All right, then we're not playing. Huh? No, we're not going to play. Yeah, but your stats at the last half of the season fell apart. doesn't matter. We don't want to be held accountable for our actions. It doesn't matter that he only hit 210, had 15 errors, had an OPS of 650. He, he, we want 25. For what? For what he might do. Well, I'm not going to pay you for what he might do. I want to pay for what he's doing. No, 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 no. 
you're not going to hold us accountable for past performance. Why? Because he's a stud. Well, he was, but he isn't. That doesn't matter. Oh, and speaking of studs and accountability, how about my Packers? Yeah, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. Those of you who have watched it, you've seen the blanket that a friend of mine quilted for me 11 years ago. And I so wanted Aaron Rodgers gone. I'm so sick of this whiny L.A. liberal attitude. And for the Saints to just grind him into the ground, 38-3, to and he gets pulled. That, my friends, was justice, and it wasn't served cold. It was on a hot plate, and Aaron was in it flopping around like a fish being fried. I loved it. All his bitching and moaning about the Packers, and he didn't want to be back. And he got his ass handed to them. That made me a happy camper. Some of my friends tried to dig me. that see what happened to your Packers. Yes, I did. And I am happy. And I am pleased. And I hope it happens again and again and again. I like the Green Bay Packers. But I have not liked Aaron Rodgers for about five years. I'm ready for him to go. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, and he ain't jack shit. I don't give a damn how many stats he puts up. They're in a horribly weak division. Will the Packers win the division? Well, based on what they did against New Orleans, I seriously doubt it. But if they do, they're going to be one and done. We won the division title and then got creamed in the playoffs. Yeah, I've seen that play out since 2011. Or 10. When they won the Super Bowl in Dallas. Was that 11? But then he became a little liberal crybaby. Much money as he's making. They should have released his ass. I have no use for him. And how are we doing on time? Oh, shit. That was almost two hours. Okay. So let's wrap it up here. I need subscribers. Those who have subscribed, you do not understand how grateful I am. Those who have contributed to the GoFundMe through the last months. I want to thank you tremendously. I appreciate that. That shows faith in me. But I need a lot more subscribers. And I need you, the listeners, to spread the word about the show. I promote this on my blog, on Twitter, on Facebook. But can't do it alone. And the more people you tell and you pass it on to, then the better the show will be. Because if it doesn't, even if I'm able to borrow the money, which I, I have a source that I can do that, 
I'm not going to keep borrowing money to keep the show going. Each one of these costs $99. That's just it. And I want to thank Don for letting me go on today because I was really worried. I know what I owe him. And it's like, is he going to let me go on live today? I don't know. So I kept checking the schedule. It's like, well, Dawson's Domain's still up there. Okay. I hate owing people money. I really do because I have gone through that through the years of being beaten out of money and on a lot of construction jobs. And that's why I got out of construction. I just got tired of fighting with people all the time. So, Don, I want to thank you. <clears throat> and I will get you paid up. And then we'll just, <clears throat> we'll play it from there. We'll see about going forward. But yes, you know, the subscriptions are $2.99, $5.99, $9.99. If you want to see some more content, my YouTube is Director59. I never really got, uh, what's that other site that Caitlin Bennett's on? I just never really got into that and pursued it obviously because i can't even remember the name of it it'll it'll come to me because i've got it in an email somewhere but uh you know all of my books are on amazon i write in every genre horror alternative history science fiction time travel got a twilight zone episode my favorite is Love's True Second Chance. If you want to know what it's like to have a relationship with someone who has breast cancer, that's what it's all about. And the one I wrote before that was Why Did Everything Happen, where I talked about dealing with cancer with my partner, my father, and then Debbie. It's a short read, but that's also a presentation that has music, video, and it's about an hour and 10 minutes long. I posted some of it on God Two years ago, and you can see that I've got one of the first ones on my YouTube channel on why did everything happen. So the books are there, the subscriptions are there, the seminars are seminars are there, and if you're in the DFW area, you get a discount. And you can contact me at 817-938-8461. I've also got, uh, at the end of the show, it goes through some of my emails. And, uh, my personal is jdawson41 at netzero.net. You can contact me that way. But like I said, I give a deep discount for those that are local. So I've got to go out of the Dallas area. Fort Worth, eh, that's not too bad. But yeah, the rate's going to go up, but it's affordable. I don't break the bank. I don't charge you $10,000 to come in. And then when it's all said and done, you go, well, what the hell was that all about? It all comes right out of the book, cutting to the chase. And I want to give a special shout out. I'm not sure if they're listening, but to Kate, Lauren, and I believe the husband's name was Dale Schwab that I met a week ago last Wednesday at Dunstan's in Brooklyn. She's working there. 
for their purchases. And some of the staff even bought books. It was a very good evening. I had a blast and I look forward to repeating that at the Dunstan's at uh, Harry Hines and Regal Row next Friday. It's going to start at six. It'll last to nine. I'm not sure if we're going to do it out in the patio because I am a smoker, as you have seen, or if we're going to do it in another location, but I will be at the restaurant. So that will happen. So buy the books. Call me to give a management seminar. I won't waste your time. And that's what I'm big on. I don't want to waste people's time. And the Herbalife products, if you want to lose weight and be healthy, this is not a diet. I want to be specific. Somebody told me that the other day. Well, you're on a diet. I said, I'm not on a damn diet. I am on a health wellness program. I'm taking a shaking day. Sometimes I'll drink too. Just depends. I do the protein bar. I walk and I do stretching and some, I've got elastic bands because I don't have weights in my room, but I'm taking my health serious and I get rid of this nicotine habit and I'll be good to go. But uh, you sign up as a preferred member and you start getting discounts. That's what I did. My son got me to sign up and I was getting 35% discount off of the products based on what I bought. It works. If it didn't work, I wouldn't be doing it. In fact, this little deal here is called Restore 24. There we go. Uh, right there. This was the first one that I took. My son badgered me and badgered me. I finally said, I'm not a customer. I'm your father. You find me something that you think will help me and I'll take it. And we can't make any medical claims. But my blood pressure prior to taking that was a roller coaster. And I can show, I have all of my records. So I can back this shit, these claims up. I started taking this and it leveled it out. I can't tell you why, but I know from all the readings, instead of being up and down and up and down, and it was horrible after the back surgery, it leveled out. It became more, instead of looking like an ocean and a typhoon or hurricane, it just throwing rocks in the pond. It was still fluctuating, but it wasn't just completely out of control. And the deal was, if it works, I'll pay you for it. If it doesn't, it was on the house. And for me, it worked. And I've also noticed since I started taking it again, I am sleeping like a rock. I don't think there's any melatonin in it. But when I go to sleep, I'm out. And when I wake up, I'm ready to rock. I don't have to fumble around trying to get a cup of coffee, even though I only drink decaf, I still like my coffee, and wander around aimlessly. I'm ready to go. I'm up, and it's like, damn, I really slept hard last night, and good. That was quality sleep. And it's only costing me like, what is it, $3 a day, I think? The shake, the protein bar, and the restore. Three, three and a quarter. 
it works. And it's not that hard to do. And I'm not going to be one of those that comes up with, you know, 15 ingredients like they do on the BlendJet sites that you got to have all this shit. Like, I'm not spending 30 minutes making a shake. I want to spend 30 seconds. Yeah, if you want fruit, if you want raspberries and blueberries and strawberries and bananas and this, that, and the other, and make this ice cream concoction of some type, you can do that. Yeah, you're going to have to have a blender. I don't need a blender. I've got a 16-ounce shaker bottle. That's it. I pour it in in 30 seconds. It's done. It's gone. I'm walking. So I want simplicity. I don't want to waste time. And I'm sure not going to spend 30 minutes like some of these gals do doing we got to freeze ice cubes, coffee ice cubes, and, and all this other shit. I'm not doing that because that's what turns people off. After a while, they're going, my God, this takes forever. I could have driven down to McDonald's and gotten a shake, or you can get Herbalife, and there it is. You want to throw stuff in? Fine. It's up to you. But if you want to get benefits, it's right there and it only takes 30 seconds and then whatever it takes you to walk a mile or whatever exercise you want to throw into the mix. That's your call. That's not mine. I just enjoy walking, but I want it simple. If you want it complicated, because when it becomes complicated, you get frustrated, you get discouraged and you quit doing it. And you just spend, I think they run like 45 or $55 a unit. And it's just going to sit there because you got tired, you're spending more time making this shake in a blend jet than it does to cook hamburgers outside or steaks. So what do you want to do? You want to waste time or you want to maximize your time? Well, for me, I want to maximize my time. And anything that's going to take more than five minutes to make is done. It ain't happening. It's just that damn simple. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I will know when I see the jump in subscriptions, the jump in book sales, and calls to do seminars. Because, you know, I'm just like you. I don't want to waste my time either. I need to get Don paid up. I need to get current with him. And that is a priority. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope to do it again. But I need feedback. I need either positive or negative feedback. Either one will tell me if we need to continue with this show. And that's all I've got for September 18th. So you all have a good weekend. And I, like I said, I will have a book signing at Dunstan's at Harry Hines and Lever in Dallas, Harry Hines and Regal Row in Dallas, Texas, this coming Friday. And I hope to see you there. Might even do it Saturday. We'll see how the turnout is. Y'all have a good weekend. And I'm getting ready to watch the Rangers in a couple hours get their ass handed to them by the Chicago White Sox. So have a good weekend.
I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.